Welcome, my friends, to Next Level Change Success, a change conversation for leaders, project and change practitioners for today and tomorrow. My name is Therese Perez of MyVirtualChangeManager.com and I'm an experienced change and project professional and people leader with many years of experience in the industry. I love business and I love the people side of business especially. So nothing lights me up more than seeing people use change management, project management and strong change leadership to engage, motivate and inspire people and ultimately transform organisations. If you've heard about change management and have no idea of what it involves, then you're in the right place. If you know about change management, but you want to take your practices to the next level, then this is where you should be. I'm going to share the stories of my experiences, interview some fantastic people, and I'm going to explore all of the challenges and opportunities that you face in organizations right now. So please join me and let's go and have some fun. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Next Level Change Success. My name is Therese Perez, and I'm the founder of my virtual change manager. And I would like to acknowledge that I am recording this episode on thoroughbred country and pay my respects to the traditional owners and custodians on the land on which I am recording and to elders both past, present and emerging. I want to check in with you about how you're feeling. Are you feeling tired? Are you feeling excited? Are you feeling exhausted? Because today's topic is all about change and burnout. And what we're seeing across the corporate landscape, the business landscape, when it comes to burnout. And the rates aren't decreasing, that's for sure. And certainly through the pandemic and the times of the pandemic, there was always a known side effect that was going to happen, a repercussion in future years that everyone wanted to monitor, which was in relation to mental health. And obviously with organizations and the changes that they've been making, however, painstakingly slowly in some areas, some areas quite fast, some areas where organizations were really lined up to hybrid ways of working, some areas where organizations are now looking to go back to old traditional ways of working, which is causing employees huge amount of angst. And then also the economic constraints that we're seeing in countries where inflation's high, certainly hugely high in Australia, mortgage rates are you know, skyrocketing and it's putting a lot of pressure on people at home financially obviously in the workplace they take that stress into the workplace the sum of all things is all contributing to this increased rate of burnout possibly to levels that we haven't seen before and that's having people have to seek help seek support ask organizations and employers for more support than ever and some just simply are not able to facilitate that there's a few things we need to talk about in relation to burnout. Burnout is something that's not unfamiliar to me through my career. There have absolutely been areas where when I've been contracting, I have given my all and then some, and then had to spend a couple of months almost in recovery to get ready for the next big transformation that I was working on. And through that, lessons have been learned every single time, but I feel like at my career and where I am at now, it's, it's like now I get it more and more. And now it's more important because I have a family and I have a little one who I want to make sure that I'm showing up for 
the best that I can. But I do feel like 2023, certainly, if you reflect on your year, I certainly reflect on my year as being, I feel like I've finally come back up to the surface again after having a lot of years kind of feeling like I was drowning. And there's not many people who would share the level of angst that they've felt or anxiety that they've felt, but I feel compelled to share because I want people to know that they're not alone in the journey, that some years are really the hardest years of their life. And then eventually you start to come up for air again, but it's important around the supports and asking for support. That is absolutely really key. And important to talk to people in your workplace checking in you know we have the are you okay days but to be honest every single day every single week people will bob up and down and up and down on the emotional spectrum and it's important to check in with them now burnout I was just recently on a webinar and they talked about 81% of people currently in the workplace are struggling and feel like they're heading into burnout are showing the signs of burnout And this is about people's ability to cope with stress, both at home, at work. Once again, they're the same person. And organisations who are going through a lot of change, who then bring uncertainty into that person's domain, can have them really tip over the edge. Because more and more companies are trying to do more with less, not necessarily thinking about efficiencies or how they can make sure that their workforce is effective, which means that they're not actually heading down this pathway or this road to burnout. I would say burnout city is not a nice place to go, nor a nice place to live. So it's important to see the signposts and make sure that you you know, take the right hand turn when you need to, to avoid going there at all. So we really want to have a look and have a talk today about some of the strategies because change never stops. But let's talk about how for women and men it shows up differently. Because I started to Google, I was like, I'm sure there's there's ways in which it shows up differently for men than it does for women. And I have a, a reference point only a couple of years ago in the pandemic around how it was showing up for me after having lost my elder sister to ovarian cancer. Then less than a month later, having the birth of my son and then having to go through a restructure, lead a restructure of a team. And then, you know, felt like, and I remember um, being in tears with my team, my broader team, when we were just checking in at the end of 2020 about where are you at? And I remember feeling like part of me felt really silly doing that because people were like, how are you? And I just started crying and I was like, I'm just not good. And I remember that. And I remember just going, I feel like my whole identities have just been like pushed from pillar to post, my whole identity and uh, and my, my whole world had just been turned upside down. Now, that was a point in time, obviously, and I was very grateful that I had a team around me who supported me. And for women, so it's no surprise from an emotional standpoint, it's the emotional regulation is just simply not there when we're burnt out. We just, it's just it, all of the, the ability that we have to regulate just starts to go out the window. And so that's one of the, the key things that you do hear about with women or you do sit witness with women who are heading down the burnout path. 
Now for men, it shows up a little bit differently because they start to really get quite cynical. They become quite verbal in that. So a bit of disdain towards others, towards the organization, etc. And, uh, and it becomes quite, can become quite aggressive. And the ability to compartmentalize for them just starts to, once again, just starts to dissipate. And so these are kind of cues that you can pick up in relation to your people. But you're going to, going to know if you're a leader anyway, in my view, because you're going to know how much work you're putting on to someone. But if you're in a leadership position and you aren't, you, you're the one who's going into burnout, then that's going to be an even bigger problem for your team. And so this is why it's important that at all levels of the organization, the conversations or the observations around how everyone's doing, where they're showing up. Obviously, illness is an indicator of someone who is struggling with burnout. And I certainly know, you know, you, people's immune systems, individuals' immune systems really do get compromised when they're overloaded with stress. And if they're not typically also with burnout, not going exercising, diet's not healthy, um, not sleeping well. These are all the things that contribute to someone starting to head down that path. So it's really, really key, even as a leader, to coach someone who might be struggling with the workload that they've been given so that you can get them into that comfortable space again and for them to start that journey towards, you know, increasing their ability to be able to deal with workload or increasing their ability to cope with stress, but you're supporting them in that. And let me give you a couple of examples of ways in which you can support people. I have almost had to run interventions on my team members who are so enthusiastic that they just insist on working extra hours constantly and then they get sick. And I've, I've literally had it where I'm like, I need to have this conversation with you. And I'm not sure how this message is going to get through to you because I continue to say to you, take the afternoon off because I can see that you're starting to get tired. And there's obviously other things that you might want to focus on. And the person says no, and then they get sick. And so then I say straight after, okay, so let's recognize this pattern. Let's see what we can do and how I can communicate with you so that you don't go down that pathway again. Because myself as a leader, the biggest thing I care about is that my people are well and healthy and that they, that they make sure they're enjoying their work and that they can contribute, but it's not at the expense of themselves or their health. And that's a really key thing more and more for myself, especially after the loss of my sister. Because I know that the work will get done, but it's making sure that the individual is taken care of in that. And so I really recommend if you're a leader, have a think about that with your team. Are you creating that environment where they can be themselves, that they can contribute to the team, but also they're healthy, that they're, they're taking care of themselves no matter how, how, what that looks like. Now, I don't say to my people, you need to drink water, you need to do it. No way. But I can tell if they look tired, even if it's virtual, when they start looking tired, when their energy is low. And I have regular one-on-ones with my people every fortnight to check in with them as a person, to have a conversation with them, to talk with them, to share with them, and to learn from them. Because I don't know it all, 
So I want to keep these lines of communication and connection open. So I genuinely care about my people. And I suggest that as a leader, that is a privilege that you have and that is part of the privilege, the, the trade-off of the privilege. It used to be people management is really hard. Well, connect with your people is what I would say. Appreciate your people. And obviously, if you come across someone or you have someone in your team who's being difficult, who's not performing, check in with them and try and get them to the place where they're comfortable rather than uncomfortable. And if that means that they leave your team, then that's okay. It's actually about how can you create that pathway so that it's a win-win. They end up going where they want to go under a construct they want to work in because sometimes your values may not line up and that's okay. So always important to work that through. Now, when we talk about indicators, let's talk about some of the costs of the organization. Like why wouldn't an organization care about whether they burn out people when there's such a big employment workforce out there? Well, there's a couple of things that are really starting to come through for trends at the moment. The generations that are sitting within an organization is the greatest number of generations who are in the workforce currently. And so you have the older generations, then you have your Gen Xs, you have your Gen Ys, you have your Millennials, but you have this really diverse range. And depending on what your organization does, like the construct of your organization, there'd be certain concentration of different groups in different areas. And there's a few things to look at, obviously diversity aspects, but you really want to start looking at how you can flex your HR arrangements to accommodate all of these different generational needs because you do want to retain talent. And talent takes the form of all sorts of ages, all sorts of genders, all sorts of sexual preferences, all sorts of cultural backgrounds. So you do want to make sure that you're flexing. And many HR constructs are just set in this old archaic stone age. They have just never evolved. And I really implore you to look at them and to challenge them because guess what? The generation's coming through. If an organization doesn't have the flexibility, they're out of there. And in fact, some of the generations going in see it as an opportunity that after 18 months, I'm going to go to a different organization because that's the way I get a step up when it comes to money and it comes to career. So no longer, like we've seen in many constructs in this world economically there's more power going to the consumer because there's definitely more ways in which people can access products and now there's more power to employees because guess what if i'm talented i could go anywhere and so now i want to choose where i want to go and there's this really interesting dynamic happening and a need for workforce planning to take on and talent retention to take on a different flavor than it ever has before to really have people join build the and develop those individuals and retain them over time because the reality is it hasn't changed around the cost of recruiting a new individual that cost is always bigger if you're recruiting someone in who leaves 18 months later and so you really need to change the model and question and challenge the costs associated with that. But the other cost, not just attrition rates when it comes to this inability to flex, but also then by imposing the workload on those who are remaining in the organization. So you're cost cutting, you might uh, see some opportunities for efficiencies, let some 
individuals go as part of that process, but then the remaining workload gets lumped onto those who may have the, the ability to do that work, but over time they hit burnout. And so they're also going to leave. And so now you're in a bit of a bind, right? From an organization perspective, it says, hey, well, this is costing us from attrition rates. It's costing us in recruitment. It's costing us where there might be burnout existing in the organization that we're not seeing because there's now poor decision making. So that those in leadership, because of all the stresses that are happening, who have been left there, who've been trying to cope in this environment where it's like, this just isn't working. No, long, no longer are they at their cognitive optimum because they are in the world of burnout. They're tired. They're tired of the change. They're tired of what they've been left with. And so you're really not getting the best out of the individuals who are there. So then again, eventually those individuals, they'll leave or they'll make big mistakes. And then you're going to see more illness creep in. So, you know, winter months now take on a whole different definition because we still have this legacy of like the flus, the COVIDs, all of these different viruses morphing because of the immunization that happened. And so now during winter, it's like your productivity and your effectiveness probably isn't as high as it normally would be. So think about all these things from an organization perspective. And so if you're sitting in those higher level roles, especially if you're sitting in a people culture level role, you really need to be considering these factors as part of your workforce dashboards, as part of your workforce planning and say it's no longer about massages and foot rubs happening in organizations. This is a bigger construct that we need to look at. Let's investigate our policies. Let's co-design new policies so that we can be a leader and we can have the competitive advantage that people want to come and work for us. And it's not that we're feeling like, oh, geez, we have to just get people through the door. So a few things to think about there if you're in decision-making or in people and culture areas. If you're looking at policies, how you can construct those to be positive for an organization and also the intergenerational consideration that you should have around how you can appreciate the different levels of diversity. But once again, as a leader, you need to treat every individual as an individual. So everyone has different needs, everyone will have different requirements. So you make sure that you can accommodate those. And that's basically how you win when it comes to that and how you're going to support your people to avoid heading to Burnout City. Now, of course, you might not be in those leadership positions. So let's talk about that and what you can do on a day-to-day -day basis because this world of change, like this change just keeps happening. It'll happen to you with the digital age, like the information age is so much going on. So there's a couple of things to think about. So is there something that really lights you up, that really has you excited about the world that you should be devoting more time to because it gives you energy. And so when you go to work, you're taking more energy to work. And that means, you know, some for some people exercise is that. For some people who, and I really appreciate and shout out to the working mums, it's like, so what? where do you get your time to do something that you love doing that just helps you center a bit, regulate a bit? What do you need to ask for from your significant other in relation to creating the space for that? Or how do you change what habits do you need to remember or you need to bring back into your life to get a bit recentered? 
this could be a perfect time just to pick up the smallest of habits and start to bring that back into your routine because you know you felt better when. It'll either be like, I knew I felt better when I drank more water. You thought I was going to say when I drank, but no, when you drank more water. So I know I'm not getting enough water and hydration is good, so I'm just going to drink a bit more water. That's going to be the first thing I'm going to do. I know that it's better if I don't drink three coffees in a day. I'm going to cut down to two. Just something small and achievable. Just to start, have those wheels turning in the whole concept of I need to rebalance. Now, I know from personal experience that when someone said to me, Therese, you're a bit out of control, like you seem really hyped up. In fact, I had a boss actually say to me, you're like, a cat on a hot tin roof. I was that wound up about everything. And it was that really cut through because I thought, first I was like, I can't believe you said that. And then I realized, yeah, he's 100% right. I was like, ready to scratch. It was like a feral cat for sure. Because I was so wound up. If you're finding you're exhausted, if you're finding you can't sleep at night, then the only thing that you can do is do something within your direct control. Is it switching off from social media? Is it making sure I read a book before I go to bed versus looking and scrolling on Instagram or scrolling on Facebook or whatever it may be? Is it that I need to have a look and think, oh, maybe I shouldn't be you know, kind of going to the pub on a Friday every single night with drinks with work people because It just ruins my Saturday. I spend Saturday in recovery, really, and then I head into Monday tired. So these are the things to think about. Maybe it's just getting into your garden, just breaking a cycle. I want to make sure I burst that bubble if you're thinking, oh, yeah, Therese has her act together. I really don't because every now and then I fall way off that wagon, but I know my intention. I know my focus and it's because the cost of burnout in my life is just too big. And in fact, you know, in the last couple of years, it could have cost me everything. I'm wanting to add value. I'm wanting to be who I am. I'm wanting to enjoy my life more so than ever. And so this is the commitment that I have. And I, once again, it's not like I do it every day. I certainly fall off the wagon a lot. But every day is the opportunity to re-establish the habits, to move forward with it, to get out and do a 20-minute walk. Eight in 10 people. Just remember that eight in 10 people in your workplace currently are feeling like they've got indicators of burnout. Eight in 10. That means your efficiency, your productivity probably high attrition rates going on through the roof. Do not allow leaders to make an excuse about this is just part of the world, like this, the environment that we're in, because it's a strong indicator of issues within the workplace. Such an interesting topic, this topic of burnout. It's quite a negative one, but it is worth looking at. This is an outcome of other things. It could be a bit of a negative topic, but this is actually about how we flip it around well-being, like making sure that people are taking care of themselves, that you're connecting with your people, that leaders are creating the right environment for people to thrive in, which is all about making sure that people are supported. 
that they're having genuine conversations because the work will get done. If you've got the people with the right skill sets, the work will get done. If you need to develop your people to get the work done in the way that you want, well, then you can develop them. But if they show up and they're struggling and you're not supporting them as a leader, well, that's on you. It's actually not about them. It's about you. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you got some value out of the episode. And just one small habit for you to put into play. It's going to make sure that you see that signpost pretty early that you're going to pick up and make sure that you course correct sooner rather than later. Thanks for listening. Be sure to head to myvirtualchangemanager.com. We've got some exciting things happening there into 2024. How crazy to even say that. Jump onto that email list so you keep informed as we go through this journey together. 